You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. If you would, as Justin had on the announcements, we're turned to Acts chapter 17. That's where we'll be this morning. And when you go in a textual study, we cover what is in that text. And sometimes I think we, as people, get impatient and say, what, is, what do these things have to do with us today? Well, I'll tell you this, that everything that was put into Scripture for us was for a reason. Not everything that Jesus did on the earth, and not everything that the apostles did while they were here, not everything that the prophets did was recorded. We would have volumes and volumes of scripture yet God chose what he wanted to be in this grouping of scripture that we call the Bible so that it would teach us what he wanted us to know so here we are in Acts chapter 17 and Paul has and Silas have just left Philippi and they go into Thessalonica Thessalonica was a very important strategic city that Thessalonica had approximately 200,000 people in it. And this was 100 miles from Philippi, so remember these guys were walking to get there. They get to, Philippi, they get to Thessalonia, which is the capital of Macedonia. And what's important about it, the, the Roman road that ran from the western part of the Roman Empire to the eastern part, ran right through this city. So you have people from Asia, you have people from as far away as what we know as Great Britain or France and Spain that would travel this road if they were going from one end to the empire to the next. So it's an opportunity for many people to hear God's word. So Paul is there in verse 2 and 3, as you will look there, as was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row he used the scriptures to reason with the people. And he explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. And he said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Now notice he had gone to the synagogue and he is teaching people who basically were following the Jewish religion, people that were familiar with Old Testament scripture and Old Testament prophecies. So he began to explain these prophecies. He began to show that Jesus was the Messiah. And a very important word that I see here that impacted me was he reasoned with them. He reasoned with them. There, there was an exchange of questions and answers using scripture. When we share God's word with someone, it's not preaching at them, it's sharing. And we reason with them as as scripture tells us that Paul did. So that there's an exchange of questions and answers using scripture. And that's what Paul did in this setting. And he explained the scriptures with clarity and simplicity. If you were to sit down in a room full of people outside this body and want to discuss scripture, you would have many different opinions about it, most likely, on certain subjects. But when the truth 
is told and taught with simplicity and clarity than is much easily understood and most, most more easily accepted. So this is how Paul went about teaching in this setting. And we'll see later on in this chapter, he will change how he approaches the setting according to the people he was talking to. But notice it right here, very important part, that he emphasized that Jesus was the Messiah and that he suffered. He died and he rose from the dead. He's emphasizing the resurrection. And he'll continue doing that everywhere he teaches. So look at verse 4. And some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. He has a great response to the message. There's a great multitude that listen and accept the message. And later Paul writes a letter to this church. It's called 1 Thessalonians. 1 and 2 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 7 through 8, we see the impact that these people at this church that Paul established would have. He says, as a result, you may have become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere. Even beyond Macedonia and Achaia, for wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. And we don't need to tell them about you. They already know, Paul is saying. But the point making here is that these people became receivers of the truth. And then they became transmitters of the truth. They received the word. They, they took it to heart. And then they just didn't set on it. They told others about Jesus. And that's God's plan for our lives. You know, you see these people come up with questions. What is the purpose of life? Here it is. This is it. It doesn't take years of study and philosophy to determine what it is. Our purpose in life is to serve an almighty God. Our purpose in life is to serve him and tell others about Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. And if we're not fulfilling that, we're not fulfilling our purpose. If we're not sharing Jesus, we're not fulfilling the purpose that God asks us to do. Verse 5. But some of the Jews were jealous, and so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and to start a riot. And they attacked the home of Jason, who was a believer, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. The message that Paul had in Silas had two effects on this city. You had people that believed, accepted the gospel and believed in Jesus, and then you had others that rebelled against the truth. No middle ground. They were believers or they weren't. Is it any different today? We have an implosion in our society going on. Crime is rampant. It's higher than I guess it's ever been in my lifetime. It's being downplayed. But you, if you pay attention, you see that's going on. Race, racial problems, 
We have people that want to stalk our Supreme Court justices if they don't agree with the decisions they make. Our society is imploding and we see the same type attitude when people don't want to hear the truth that are involved in Satan's control. You can take that for what you want, but we'll see more of this in just a moment. In verse 6, not finding it in there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers and instead took them before the city council and, and saying, Paul and Silas have caused problems all over the world and now they're disturbing our city too. The New King James says in that verse, in the latter part of that verse, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. They have turned the world upside down by teaching the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. What an awesome declaration made by the enemies of God. But they're saying these men have turned the world upside down and what we see today is a stirring in our country over the murder of the unborn. We need to turn things upside down in this country. We need to turn things upside down by teaching the uncompromised truth of Jesus Christ. We do it in love, and we do it in compassion and patience. We let the message turn the world upside down. If we are not standing for the truth, we will not turn this society, this world upside down. These men did that because it was a purpose in their life to teach the truth. They're accused of turning the world upside down. We need to be accused of doing that as Christians. Verse 7, and the Jason welcomed them to his home. He has a riot going on outside his house, but he welcomes them in his house. And they, are all guilt, he's, they say they're all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they, they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. See, these rebellious people want to use the government to shut down the preaching of the truth. Is that any different than today? Not at all. Christians are being attacked for the belief. We preach against sin because that's what God asks us to do because He calls for all people to come to repentance. The murder of the unborn is a sin. Homosexuality is a sin. Transgender is a sin. Those are things that are prominent in our society. Racial problems, hating someone because of the color of their skin or their culture is a sin. I've said it, it's, what, it's truth, it's online, and if somebody hears this who is against what we have to say, they're going to come after me. That's fine. But we're going to teach the truth here and stand for the truth. We need to turn this world upside down by standing for the truth. 
And as these men were, uh, these Christians were attacked for their allegiance to Jesus, said that Jesus is their king, this was the beginning of Christians being accused of having their allegiance to King Jesus rather than the Lord Caesar. So this was the beginning of how Christians would begin to be persecuted because they would not call Caesar Lord. Verse 8. And the people of the city as well as the city council were thrown into turmoil by these reports. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond and they released them. And that very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to this Jewish synagogue. So Paul and Silas are, are escorted out of town by the other believers because of the persecution. So he, re- he arrives at another city and he goes straight to the synagogue as Paul's custom he's ready to teach the truth again so in verse 11 we see that the attitude is much different and the people of Berea were much more open minded than those in Thessalonica and they listened eagerly to Paul's message and they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were telling the truth as a result many Jews believed and so did many prominent Greek and women, Greek women and men. Two things happened. And I encourage you to think about it. First, they received the word with open minds. Second, they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Do you take for granted? that what you're being told from a pulpit or from a broadcast or TV preachers that everything they're saying, everything that I say, is true. I challenge you to search the scriptures and call me out if I'm wrong. Search the scripture. They had open hearts. They had clear heads. They received the message and they searched the scripture. In verse 13, but when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. The believers acted at once, sending Paul onto the coast while Silas and Timothy remained behind. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. Then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join them. These Jews from Thessalonica showed up to stir up trouble. Why? That's how Satan works. Satan will do anything to stop the teaching of the truth. The teaching of Jesus Christ. So he stirs up a mob, a crowd, to leave one city and go to the next. Does that not sound familiar? The protests going on all over this country. Stirred up people, mobs, people with a purpose of, de- of reviling against what is true. People that are advocating the murder of the unborn. Satan is behind that. And we need to understand that. And we need to recognize it for what it is. Verse 16, 
While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by the idols he saw everywhere in the city. As he walks around, he sees all these idols to different gods. And he recognizes the failure of religious systems to satisfy the people's hearts. They don't know what to believe, so they believe everything and anything. Still sounds familiar today, doesn't it? Do we latch on to any popular philosophy as a people? So he went to, verse 17, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and God-fearing Gentiles and spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. Again, that word reason, that he reasoned with them, exchanging questions and answers, but in using scripture, he's talking to people in the synagogue who have been studying their whole lives. And he's revealing what these prophecies and these scriptures that they study mean, just like he did previously. Thessalonica. So here we are in verse 18. And he also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. Now it's a, it's a change of gear for Paul. He's in Athens. It's the world headquarters, so to speak, of philosophy and reason, as they call it. In college, there, I had, there was a class called philosophy. I still don't know what it was. It was just somebody's idea about how things should be. And that's what was, it gets its roots here in Athens is you have all these great so-called thinkers and their philosophies coming out. So he is going to debate. Now, he's not reasoning with these people. They weren't scholars of Scripture. He's going to debate with these philosophers. So he's debating with the Epicureans and the Stoic philosophers. And he told them about Jesus and his resurrection. And they said, what is this babbler trying to say with this strange ideas he's picked up? Sound like college professors in Berkeley, California. And others said he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Now, Epicureans pursued pleasure as the chief purpose in their life. So they, they were all about pleasing themselves. And it goes on deeper than that, but we don't for time's sake. And the Stoics believed that everything was a God, and God was in everything, not the God, a God. And they believed all things good or evil were from God. So nothing should be resisted. In other words... They want to live life with all its, the old beer commercial gusto. So in verse 19, then they took him to the high council of the city. He said, come tell us about this new teaching, they said. You're saying some rather strange things that we want to know what it's all about. So he explained that all the Athenians as well as the foreigners in Athens seemed to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So he preached to them Jesus in the resurrection. He focused, notice his message always has to do with the resurrection. Because that's the basis of what our belief is on. And he goes, they take him to Mars Hill. So Paul, in verse 22, stood before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice you are very religious in every way. For excuse me, I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. 
to. Paul met them where they would listen to him. He was much different in his approach than he was with students of Scripture. So he didn't begin with Scripture. He began his message talking about God and man. See, the Greek philosophy at the time always began with man and then God. And Paul knew this. He was an educated man. So they were always stressing man and then God. And they would say man is the measure of all things. Sounds familiar, does it not? We live in an age of humanism. You may not know what humanism is, but let me, let me give you a, a quick definition that I, the person at the center of my universe, I am the most important. And unfortunately, this concept is wrong. God tells us, I am the center of your universe. I am. And then Christians allow this type of mentality to come into their lives, believing that I deserve to be happy. I deserve my time alone. And unfortunately, this is a, pervert, a perversion of the gospel. People will take that idea that I deserve to be happy and then apply scripture with it. I deserve nothing. I'm made worthy to stand before God by the blood of Jesus Christ. I deserve nothing. And I'm afraid we allow these things to creep. This is a mentality that we allow to creep into our lives. I'm talking about that I am important. That I come before my children, I come before my spouse, I come before everything else because I need my time to sort everything out. If you are a mother, you service your children. You're a dad, you put your children before yourself. And above all, you put Jesus Christ. If you feel overwhelmed and you think you need my time, more time to yourself, you need to share your load with Jesus. You need to empty out your frustration to the cross. If you think you're going to find happiness going to the health club, you're going to find something else and it's not happiness, it's going to be somebody else. I'm not criticizing working out. I'm criticizing the point, if you think that's going to give you happiness, you're sadly mistaken and Satan's going to lead you down the path of destruction. Marriages have folded up because of this concept. There are children without a dad or without a mother active in their lives because of this. Because somebody says, I deserve to be happy. You get only true happiness comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. So to say any of this is not relevant today, it is relevant. God has placed this 
information here that we take it and apply it to our lives. Paul says in verse 24, He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since He is the Lord of heaven and earth, He doesn't live in man-made temples. See, Paul started out explaining who God is from the beginning. He is the Creator, and we are all His creatures. And he goes in verse 25 through 28 explaining how human hands can't serve His needs. He's the one that gives life. He's the one that created all the nations. He's decided beforehand who should rise and fall. And His purpose for the nations is to seek after God. That's what he's teaching these people. And then verse 28, he says, For in him we live, move, and exist. And some of your own poets have said we are his offspring. He used their own poetry to insert in here to get their attention. But right here in verse 28, this explains everything. For in him we live, and we move, and we exist. That's our purpose in life. It's not to put me on a pedestal and serve myself. In verse 29, and since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold, silver, or stone. In verse 30, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. That message can't change. Verse 31, For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed and proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Paul did not preach a soft gospel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He did not preach a soft gospel. He didn't preach a, a crowd pleaser. He didn't back off from sin. He didn't back off from talking about repentance. He didn't back off talking about what God expects of us out of our lives. See, that's a soft gospel. When preachers stay away from talking about sin and stay away about talking about repentance, they're preaching a soft gospel, and that's not what God ordained. They're crowd pleasers trying to get the tithing up. There's some times that you have to hear the message and feel like that the message that has been presented steps on your toes. In my case, I step on my own toes when I'm preparing this. But I'm telling you, everything is not a feel-good message. We need to be told when things are not the way God wants them to be. We need to be told if something's a sin or not. There's no middle ground. Paul boldly confronted the wrong ideas. He's turning the world upside down. And he's doing it by teaching the truth of Jesus Christ. The emphasis on the resurrection is important. The resurrection of Jesus is our assurance. And we must focus on that message. That's what gives us hope. 
And when they heard, in verse 32, when they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, and others said, we want to hear more about it. When they started laughing, it says, verse 33, Paul ended the discussion. You can't get in a spraying contest with a skunk. That's from Louisiana, okay? You can't get in a spraying contest with a skunk. As long as somebody wants to talk and be, and be able to reason with them, you share God's word. They laugh about Jesus and laugh about the concept of the resurrection. You need to go talk to someone else because their heart is not receptive. Don't argue. We don't need to ever argue. We just present the truth. The truth. And let the Holy Spirit convict. And He will on fertile, open hearts. If their heart is hardened, it moves on. He said that ended Paul's discussion. And he, and but some joined him and became believers. And among them, and he goes on to talk about those that believed. So we see this chapter has a lot to do with us some 2,000 years later. The issues that Paul dealt with, we're dealing with now. But you know what overcomes it all is the gospel. There still are people who will receive the gospel. If not, this world will not be turning any longer. God is giving people time to accept his word and repent. To repent and turn to him. Last time I talked to you, I... I said this, and I'm going to repeat it. Faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. Creation to the cross and to the resurrection. That's our message. That's our message. I'm going to pray as the worship team comes up. And we're going to take this opportunity. If you're ready to be to take on Jesus as the Lord of your life, if you're ready to be more bold, I ask you to come forward and let us pray together. If you have a burden this morning, I ask that you come forward and bring it with you and let us pray with you. Tom will be up here. I will. And we can pray with you through any of these situations. Father God, we just thank you for your plan to save us. But Father, as, as your message is being brought out this morning, I pray that your spirit moves amongst this crowd and stirs hearts. That the Holy Spirit is working and moving hearts this morning. Thank you, Father, for all you do. And we put cast all our burdens on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. 
We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.